the future King David is foreshadowed in the ending of the book of Ruth. Thousands of years later, a blind man calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Who is David? Why is this name so important in the Bible and so important in my life and yours? Find out in today's book. Hi, my name is Terence and I'm your host for Reading and Readers, a podcast where I review Christian books for you. Today, I review After God's Own Heart, The Gospel According to David by Mark J. Boda, 208 pages published by PNR Publishing in June 2007. PNR stands for Presbyterian and Reform. So um, next is that today's book is available in uh, Amazon Kindle for $7.99 and it's also free in Logos. Yes, it's free, but only for January. And by the time this podcast is published, there will be less than two days left in January. So if you did not uh, subscribe to this podcast, um, you might have missed this free book deal. Or at least you might have missed knowing a bit more about the free book deal. So subscribe to this podcast. You never know. You might just hear about a book that you never considered reading that would have convicted, refreshed, and inspired you in your Christian walk. That is the aim for this podcast. So coming back to the book. After God's Heart is written by Mark J. Boda, who is the professor of Old Testament and Hebrew at McMaster Divinity College in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Looking at the catalogue of books he has written and edited, I see here a commentary on Zechariah from the New International Commentary on the Old Testament series. That's a good book. I see a commentary on Haggai and Zechariah from the NIV Application Commentary series. Another good series. And another book that stands out is Return to Me, A Biblical Theology of Repentance from the New Studies in Biblical Theology series, which is one of my favorite series. According to his bio data in Amazon, Boda has written 12 books and edited 19 collected essays. And you can see in this catalog a strong emphasis on the Old Testament. And that is important because today's book, After God's Heart, The Gospel According to David, is not just the story of David. What I mean is it includes the story of David, which we can read in 1st and 2nd Samuel and 1st Chronicles, the three books that covers the life of David. But today's book is more than that. Let me list the 13 chapters in this book and just by reading, listening to the titles, you will know what to expect from today's book. Chapter 1, David and Biblical Theology. If you don't know what Biblical Theology is, just hold on, you will get a sense of it uh, from this um, table of contents and I will explain what it is very soon. Chapter 2, David, Abraham and Ruth. Now, Think about it. What does David have to do with Abraham and Ruth? Abraham and Ruth in their lifetime didn't 
could not, <laughs> could not know of David's existence. David is their descendant far, far, far into the future. But if you, you were asked to write an essay on the title, David, Abraham and Ruth, what would you write? In fact, what would you write if you were given the following chapter headings? Chapter 3, David and Anointing. Chapter 4, David and Covenant. Next, David and Rule. David and Faith. And next, Justice, Unity, Worship, Temple, Faithfulness, Sin. And chapter 13, we have David and Messiah. So these are all themes that connect to David. And, uh, but I want to stress that this is a book based on biblical theology and how I love it so. And let me explain what I mean by saying what this book is not. Let's say I was assigned. Let's say I was assigned to write an essay on David and worship. Okay, so worship is something that we are all comfortable with. So let me think. Mm, David plays the lyre with the sheep and later he plays for the troubled King Saul. And of course, we have the Psalms where he sings to God. So if I was to write an essay on David and worship, I could write about how music soothes the beast, about how music is good for animals. And I could write about the psychological or spiritual effects of music on troubled souls. And lastly, I could write about how the lyrics in the Psalms are so different from the lyrics in modern music today. Everyone loves a good trashing on contemporary Christian music. So, three ideas, three sections, all related to David and worship, all three of them interesting and relevant today. But that's not biblical theology. <laughs> Biblical theology requires us to scour the books of the Bible to determine what each book says about the topic in mind. For example, when we scour through the Bible, we see Leviticus, we ask, this, what does Leviticus say about worship and David? Does it say that music soothes the animals? Oh dear, when animals are mentioned in Leviticus, it's not about soothing them, <laughs> but about sacrificing them. And if we move the essay towards a discussion on contemporary Christian music, we can, and Boda later on would do, but it must be done through biblical theology. You need to show that this is what this book or the books in the Bible says directly or indirectly to the topic. So your eyes are looking at the Bible, and not so much with what is wrong with the world today. So let's try again to write this essay, but let's invite Professor Mark Boda to write the essay. The title is, once again, David and Worship. So what does the professor write? He divides the essay or chapter into five parts. David brings the ark into Jerusalem. Then next, uh, David initiates a new phase of worship. Next, musical worship. And number four, implications. And the last part is for further reflection. Buddha does not assume that you, the reader, is familiar with the story. 
he explains how David put the ark on the cart, how Uzzah touched the ark and died. Then David placed the ark at the home of Obed-Edom. Then seeing that Obed-Edom was blessed, David didn't want him to get all the blessing. He wanted the blessing himself. So he tried again to bring the ark into Jerusalem, but now doing it the right way, according to the instructions that God had given the Levites. David dances on the streets of Jerusalem ahead of the ark. Saul's daughter, his wife, didn't like that. And David had choice words to say to her. The background in this book is helpful for those who don't know the story, who are not so familiar with the Bible uh, and the story of David. So if you are new to the Bible, you will like this, you will appreciate, appreciate this. The best part, though, is that even if you are familiar with the story and uh, with the whole Bible, Boda has something for you and I. In the second part, for example, in this chapter, he explains, he lists, how David's worship shows continuity from Moses' time, meaning that whatever Moses did in Exodus and Leviticus, David also did in 1 Chronicles, much, much later in time. But Boda also shows how David innovated. David introduced new elements, musical instruments, new sacred objects, new sacred personnel, and new functions to the Levites. I've always been told, and I'm sure this, it's the same with you as well, that uh, our modern worship team are like the Levites of old. But hey, <laughs> I just realized from this book that it was David, King David, who first commissioned them to be singers and musicians. And I like this. I like it when a book tells me something new, or tells me rather, um, something that the Bible has laid out in plain sight, but I just did not see it. Because it's true, when God instructed Moses, God never said anything about music for the sacrifices. He said how to sacrifice, what to sacrifice, when to sacrifice, but never the soundtrack, the music to listen to while you do the work. <laughs> so David innovated. Now, prompts the question, doesn't it? Does this give us license to innovate? So Boda writes, I quote, The breadth of musical media in David's new phase of worship challenges us to remain open to new ways of worshipping God. For some, it is easy to equate praise with the use of organ, piano, and choir to identify true worship with these modes. For others, however, it is just as easy to equate worship with the use of drums, guitars, and worship teams, and to see no value in other forms of worship. David's new phase of worship certainly stretched his community to adopt new modes of worship. But underlying all of this, there was strong evidence of joy. And there's a Bible reference to 1 Chronicles 15, verse 16 and 25 here. Continuing on, showing a people who fully embraced the new forms, end quote. So, you see here, we know that Christians have strong opinions of worship, and the worship debate is as old as time. So, it's nice to see a new argument, new evidences for, for the positions drawn from Scripture. I also note with uh, 
some amusement, I guess, that this is a PNR book, a Presbyterian and Reforming uh, and Reform uh, book. And you would think that they are the ones who are the church organs only or the Psalms only type of people. And I like it that this type of books, uh, which shows the biblical basis of uh, different uh, positions, uh, helps us figure out whether drums are in or out, whether electric guitars are in or out. And not saying they are yes or no, but you know, just going through the biblical uh, text, the biblical evidence, and then allowing the church, uh, brothers and sisters, to try to obey the word of God. The last part of the chapter is the further reflection. Around two to three questions, sometimes a bit more, and all of them spurring some thought. I like the open-ended nature of the questions. A small group could read this book and later come together to discuss the answers to the question, and you would have engaging uh, sessions. Or you can read this book on your own, and when you come across an interesting question, you can ponder on it, and then you can bring it up in your next conversation with a fellow brother or sister in Christ. You could ask them, hey, I just read this book, and then it asks an interesting question. What do you think about this? Now, let me read a portion of question three from the worship chapter. It's a, it's a long question, so I'll just read the second half of it. I quote, it is interesting that although the, the majority of psalms in the Psalter are psalms of disorientation, or as he explained in the book, uh, lament. Okay, disorientation is lament. Uh, sadness, mourning, I mean, lament. Okay, I'm continuing on. That even though the majority of psalms in the Psalter are psalms of lament, most Christians find they rarely express their heart to God using the language that is found in the laments. That is, asking God questions like, Why? Or, how long? Try to broaden the ways in which you speak to God, even in some time alone with God today. If you are a worship leader in the church, reflect on the ways in which you can incorporate the laments into the worship of your church in the coming month. End quote. So the way the question is phrased, actually it's not so much a question but a reflection prompt. Uh, the way the prompt is phrased shapes the Christian uh, to think about the way of life, the Christian way of life. Boda, for example, nudges us for time alone. He nudges the worship leader to include the laments, and he even uh, pushes them to do it in the coming month. You have read the chapter, now do it. You know now what the Bible says, now do it. So, that's why I like the reflection questions. There is a strong push. So it's not just a scholarly, uh, cognitive, uh, I now know more than I knew before, but there's a sense of uh, compelling you, come on, do something about what you have learned. Even the comprehension questions, the one that's purely cognitive, they are tough. Um, question four in chapter two goes like this. I quote, I once heard a sermon that contrasted Boaz and the kinsman redeemer as the contrast between Christ and the law. What is wrong with the logic of this sermon? End quote. If you don't even know how to begin to answer this question, that's what the chapter, that's what the book is for. Boda doesn't just bring us to the past, to the times of Abraham, Moses, and Ruth when a Davidic kingdom then would be a dream too good to be true, 
they had no idea how to think about a Davidic kingdom. But Buddha doesn't just bring us to the past. He also brings us to the future when the great kings of Israel and Judah are but near-forgotten memories. Because enemy nations, the Persians, the, the Romans, and so on, would have occupied the land, the temple, the throne that God said would never end. In chapter 13, Boda blitzes through Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, what else? Uh, he also goes through um, Hosea, Amos, Micah, Haggai, and Zechariah, showing us how David lives on in those books, and ultimately, um, the life of David is, uh, or the promises to David, uh, to be accurate, uh, lives on in Christ Jesus. I made a mistake just now. Um, I should not mention the Romans because uh, this is all the Old Testament. Um, if anything, the enemies of the Jews in those times would be the Babylonians, the Assyrians, and uh, the Persians, so not the Romans. And that brings me to my next point. Uh, Boda is a professor of Old Testament, as I told you just now, and his expertise and love for the Old Testament shows in this book. After God's Heart, the Gospel According to David, and as I told you, it goes beyond the lifespan of David, beyond David's 70 years in his life. So as Boda tells the story of David through the millennia, it only makes us grow in awe at the wonderful providence of God the God above all history. On a more practical level, this book helps us to make sense of the frequent references to David, the allusions in Abraham, Moses, and Ruth, generations before he was born, all the way to this unbelievable prophecy about the branch that will not die, about the root that will, that will grow again. So prophecies that speak that King David will rise again. And for Christians, we may seem to take this like this idea of King David, uh, the, the Davidic kingdom will rise again, will be forever. We kind of take it for granted. But if you were living in those times when those prophets um, were, were speaking to the people, it sounds as if, as strange as the idea of King Arthur will come back and rule Britannia again. It just doesn't seem to make sense. Or, to speak to our times today, it's kind of like saying, it's exactly like saying <laughs> about King Jesus coming back again, about the second coming. And we all know how the, world, how the world thinks about that. When I finished the book, I realized that there is something missing in the book. If the intent was to do total biblical theology with David, David and the various themes, then curiously the New Testament was left out. For example, there is no exposition of blind Bartimaeus calling, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Nor is there any elaboration on the most cited psalm in the New Testament, which is, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Now, I chose my words carefully. I said there was no exposition, no elaboration. And I checked, I went through the book, and I hope I didn't make a mistake here. But yes, there was no full detail, no fuller treatment. There was 
there were scripture references and there was a slight mention, but these New Testament verses are so rich when it comes to the fulfillment of the Davidic prophecies that I was surprised that Professor Boda did not bring it out. Was the Old Testament professor sticking to his lane? He doesn't want to go into the New Testament. Or was he doing this because he wanted to make the scope manageable? Otherwise, he would easily double the page count. And at the moment, the book is very manageable at 200 pages. So I sought to answer the question by reading the preface and the introduction. And then I saw my mistake. Oh dear, I skipped the series preface because, you know, the preface is always saying the same thing, almost. <laughs> Except, no. Um, I then realized that this book belongs to the series titled The Gospel According to the Old Testament. That's the name of the series, The Gospel According to the Old Testament. And the series aims to, number one, to lay out the pervasiveness of the revelation of Christ in the Old Testament. Number two, to promote a Christ-centered reading of the Old. Number three, to encourage Christ-centered preaching and teaching from the Old Testament. So it is very clear what is the purpose, objective, and scope of the book. He has laid the, the series is very clear in that sense. So I'll just be quiet about this and just take this podcast as a reminder to myself to always read the preface first. And uh, but even though I rushed the reading, the fact that I sensed the Old Testament was overwhelming the New Testament. There was just so much of the old and not enough of the new. It just shows that Boda achieved the aims of the series. Uh, to show us the gospel according to the Old Testament. Now, in conclusion, um, after God's heart, the gospel according to David, this book is a good introduction to biblical theology. It's light for the, uh, for the Christian who, is, who never went to seminary, who never read through commentaries and so on. It's something they can bring to your group studies, and it's, uh, it's a good introduction to biblical theology. If you have ever wondered what is the big deal, what's the big deal about King David? Why do Christians from all around the world bother about a long dead king in a faraway land? Well, if you are a new believer or if you're an unbeliever, though I would say this book is a bit too much for an unbeliever, if you're a new believer, then this book answers that question using history, the history books in the Bible, the law, songs, and prophecy, and they're all organized through themes and so you don't feel overwhelmed in that sense it's very easy to get into and uh, the applications or the words he the word he uses here is implications implications are straightforward and we can see how it relates to us especially the thought-provoking reflections i really enjoyed the reflections and uh, i think you would too if you if you will ever do a study on david and you should because David is all over the Bible, then this, for you and your small group, is a must-have resource. This is a reading and reader's review of After God's Own Heart, The Gospel According to David by Mark J. Boda, 208 pages, published by PNR Publishing in June 2007. Today's book is available in Amazon Kindle for $7.99 and it's free in Logos 
in January. And I know there is less than two days of January left. So what are you waiting for? And if you would like to hear monthly reviews of free Christian books, subscribe and stay tuned for February's free book coming soon. Bye-bye.